0: My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Good morning, everybody. There we go. Come on. All right. We're in... uh, What book are we in again? Mark. That's right. Not Galatians, no. We did that, <laughs> and may go back and do it again one day, <laughs> probably will. Uh, we're in Mark chapter 1 today, um, looking forward to today's text. Today's text sets the stage um, and the, uh, the vocabulary context, if you will, for much of what Mark does in the remainder of his gospel. Um, he's going to refer back to this particular set of verses over and over and over and over again and if if you if, I don't know that it's a stretch to say if you needed to memorize a couple of verses to summarize Mark these might be the two to kind of thesis in your head so I, I feel even better about saying this now so <laughs> these might be the two to kind of peg and refer back to because when we hear Jesus teaching and preaching this is the central theme of his particular message so So let's read uh, Mark chapter 1 today, Um, and then we will take a look at verses 14 and probably 15. I think we can get there. So Mark chapter 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, "'You are my beloved Son.'" So in today's text, verses 14 and 15, uh, we see Mark do what Mark does very, very often in Mark. In the first couple of words in verse 14. Now after what? Like it's open book. John was arrested. There you go. Great. I know it's early, but these are easy questions. (laughs) They will get harder today. Uh, so after John was arrested, so did everybody know that John was arrested, and which? So let me let me back up. So which John are we talking about? John the Baptist, right? We've we've actually already addressed him earlier in prior lessons. So we're talking about John the Baptist, and John was in fact arrested. So what was John arrested for? Is this recorded in the scripture anywhere? Yes. Where? Is it? Where is it recorded in the Scripture? See, Mark has this really interesting habit of referring to things and not explaining them. He just assumes you kind of know where things were. Or, he's just taking a character off of the the, the narrative so you're not expecting him to show up. Right? Because if John's in prison, where is he not? He's not in the wilderness preaching and baptizing and... Eating locusts and wearing camel's hair and all sorts of odd things, right? So so where is that in the New Testament? Where is the story of John's arrest in the New Testament? Remember, for those of you that know me, when the water bottle comes out, <laughs> this is your turn. <laughs> Matthew, where in Matthew? Matthew 4.12, excellent. Can you read Matthew 4.12 for us? Awesome. So is there any detail anywhere about why John went to prison? <clears throat> so Matthew backs up the point that he went to prison. So great. So we got a witness, we got a secondary witness. So why did he go to prison? Very likely most of you can summarize this story, but I want us to actually go to the text and find it. So where did he go to prison? What text? This is where I would encourage you to reach out and find a resource and fourteen uh verse three when Bero uh Herod arrested John. Uh, he found him and put him in prison because of Veronius, uh the wife of his brother Philip. For John had been saying to him is it not lawful for you to have her? Although Herod wanted to put him to death and feared the crowd because they regarded John as a problem. Yeah, so so why did John go to prison? He can run with your yeah, he was He was public about a public sin to a public figure. Right? Now, um, who did John say this to? The text actually tells us. Look there. Matthew 14. Verse 4. John had been saying to, to him. Directly to him, right? He took it to him. He brought him face-to-face with this is not right what you are doing and sometimes when we tell powerful men (laughs) that what they are doing is not right powerful men will do powerful things and will like he, he, he put him in prison right now does anybody know what happened after this what happened after this he's beheaded yeah yeah is that what you're gonna say daniel I think that's a different story You're right Yep um, Yeah Good Good. We'll make an effort That's right The uh, He's beheaded Actually if you sent uh, If you look further down in Matthew 14 uh, he, Verse 10 He sent and had John beheaded in the prison And his head was brought on a platter And given to the girl This is um, someone in his household And she brought it to her mother And his disciples came and took the body and buried it And they went and told Jesus So there's an interesting set of circumstances around John's arrest uh, because John actually reaches out to Jesus while he's in prison. And uh, he asks him a very interesting question. Does anybody know the question that John asked Jesus when he's in prison? Are you the one? Right. Because John's face-to-face with his own mortality here. And he's, he's, he has this question about, did I speak the truth... At the right time, about the right one, I really would like to know. Anybody remember Jesus' answer? That's right. Jesus says, I'm the one that is fulfilling all this prophecy. He actually doesn't directly answer him. He just says, I'm doing what everybody prophesied about. As far as we can tell, that was enough for John. He goes on and he dies. For what I would say is the cause of Christ. So that's our backstory. That's where John went. And John really doesn't kind of come back into the narrative of the story once he gets taken off and arrested. And some of you are probably thinking right now, wait, wait, wait. This can't be the right story. Because John the Baptist, Jesus says, there's none greater born of woman than John the Baptist. And that's how he goes out. He goes out getting beheaded because he told the truth. Yeah, (laughs) like read the rest of the book. It doesn't always turn out really, really well for believers. So when something paltry doesn't go our way, and we get really angry and frustrated at God, may John be an example that his ways are higher than our ways. God doesn't promise us a peaceful, pleasant death. But he does promise us his presence, which is far, far better. It's far, far better. So let's go back to Mark chapter 1, looking at verse 14. Now, after John was arrested, so John sets Jesus up. Jesus comes onto the scene. The father takes John out of the picture. And if you're telling a story, if you're a person directing a movie You don't want people to get confused with who is actually the star. So I want you to consider for just a split second that the father may have taken John off the scene to further exalt the son. Like that is a humbling position to be in. And far be it from us to question the sovereign almighty king of the universe, with the way in which he moves around his subjects. Because that is his to determine. So now after John was arrested, there's a lot in these little phrases, and we miss sometimes when we skip them quickly. Jesus came into Galilee. All right, so where's Galilee? You got your maps in the back of your Bibles? Jesus came into Galilee. So Galilee's this section up here toward the upper left. So he, he got baptized in the Jordan he goes back over to Galilee and he goes to Galilee proclaiming now this is an interesting word so if you got your if you got your uh, little New Testament or if you little copy of, of Mark uh, look back at verses four and verse 7 now this Greek word shows up in verse four and you you probably it's Pretty straightforward to see where it shows up in verse 4. So, where does it show up in verse 4? What do you think it's translated in English in verse 4? Proclaiming, right? It's literally the same word, okay? All right. So, verse 7, it shows up in verse 7 too. It's preached. Yeah, it's to herald, it's to proclaim a truth, to declare something to be true. And if we know anything about John's ministry, it was he was declaring truth right he was not shy about it he was not hesitant about it he he would go even go to weird places to say it but he was he's going to proclaim truth and this is the exact same word that jesus that mark used to describe what jesus is doing in verse 14 so jesus came into galilee proclaiming the gospel so so while the father takes john off the scene to maybe elevate the son the proclaiming of the gospel continues. Um, I cannot remember the group, but there is a song somewhere on that device. I'm looking at my iPhone. Sorry, I'm not pointing at you, Dave. Um, when I point at Dave, he gets, he's like, what am, what am I doing right now? Like, assign me a job. Here we go. So I have to clarify. So thank you for that. Uh, but there's a song on that device somewhere that says, You can bury the workman, but the work will go on. And I, I think that is, it is a profoundly helpful perspective to take in our own lives because my life is not about me. My life is about the Father fulfilling all the work that He has in the universe to proclaim and exalt that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And, and when I view myself as a, a piece that God uses as He wills for that purpose, Takes a lot of pressure off of me, right? Because then I don't have to perform; I just have to obey. Right? It's a whole different perspective. So, so Jesus is proclaiming what? The gospel of God. All right. So here, now we're here. We go. What is the? This is the second time we've seen this word. What is the gospel? the The word literally just means a good message. So he is proclaiming the good message of God. So now I don't want you to miss this. So I, I told you that I'm going to Brian's study in Mark, which he has extended, by the way. <laughs> uh, through the summer, I think. Uh, I'm quite excited about this. <laughs> it's, it's sort of an extension, right? Like he thinks it's an extension, so we'll give him that, Right. And uh, I told you I would try to bring back uh, things that I'm learning and being challenged with in that study into our class. And one of the things that that I wrote as we were going through uh, this particular text is that Jesus is, in fact, being and proclaiming the gospel right here. Is that beautiful or what? Like... He's proclaiming the gospel. His presence is an announcement that the message is here. This is good. Uh, my friend Dwayne Alsbury would call this choice. <laughs> He came into Galilee proclaiming, heralding, and this is a present active part of the This is over and over and over and over. This was the, the theme of his message, the gospel of God. And he didn't just live it. There were actually words that he said. So some of you have heard this phrase. Um, what, you, some of you know where I'm going now. Um, the, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Please stop saying that. That is horribly 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 bad theology the gospel requires a verbal proclamation you cannot preach the gospel without words so please stop saying that it's really 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 bad theology because when the gospel is described in the new testament every single time it comes in the form of a verbal proclamation it is not a, somebody lived a really good life and somebody else understood that the gospel from that. No, 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 no. That's moralistic, therapeutic deism, maybe. I don't know. But it's it's certainly not Christianity. So just, let's all just scrub that from our Facebook pages. That would be wonderful. And stop liking it when other people post it, too, because it's just not helpful. All right. So uh, he came into Galilee proclaiming, can you tell I'm passionate about this? Proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, so this is another present active participle. He's saying over and over and over again, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So there is, there is a lot going on right here. So let's slowly kind of go through. So the time, the kairos, this this season. Um, I've highlighted a couple verses here for you in your handout. Uh, Mark twelve two. In Mark 13, 33. So who's got twelve two? Let's go to. Since we started this series, I've been waiting for this lesson. And I promised myself that I would not teach it bouncing on my toes the entire time with enthusiasm because it looks really weird on the video. But I am so excited about today. <laughs> so who's got Mark twelve two? So we've got this idea that there is a time that is appropriate for what? For harvest, right? This is another time Mark uses this term. Pay attention to the words that the authors use because they're not using them on accident because the Holy Spirit is guiding the specific choice of words here. So, Mark thirteen thirty three. How's it used in Mark thirteen thirty three? Who's got that? And what's the context there? There's some context around. What time might he be talking about there? Something that's obviously in the future. The return, right? He's like, I'm, I'm coming back and you don't know when this is going to happen. So Mark uses the same word here to say that the time is fulfilled when he's also talking about harvest, and he's talking about Christ's return as well. So he's connecting these ideas as he's using this word as you go through the gospel. So it's not just the time, but the time is fulfilled. And this is um, uh, plural. It's the idea of being uh, filled up fully. This is a uh, the definition there is to cram a net, to, to level up a hollow place. So if you've, um, which I thought was interesting that we get to this word today, because water has done this in our area. Uh, you may or may not have known you had a low spot in your yard, but you found it out this week, right? You're like, oh, I thought that was flatter than it actually is, but water is pooling there. It must, must be like a, a dip, Right? That's, that's what's going on. is what this word is. It's filling something up. And this is a perfect indicative passage. So uh, perfect is completed action with the results continuing. So I don't want us to, to miss this. So this is completed action in the past with the results continuing. So the time is fulfilled. So something is fulfilled and the, the, the results are going to continue throughout. So this this season, this time is fulfilled and... The kingdom of God is at hand. Oh, I wanted to show you the fulfill. Look, look at Mark fourteen forty nine. I almost got ahead of myself here. This is an important one. Mark fourteen forty nine. Some of you thought that because Mark had only had sixteen chapters that it was a short book, but whoever was doing the verse divisions and the chapter divisions. They like really long chapters, right? So these long chapters here. So who's got it? Mark fourteen forty nine. So before you read it, what's the context? What's the section heading above? Material and the rest of Jesus. Okay. So what? Fourteen forty nine. Who's got it? Day after day, I was you in the temple teaching. You did not heed me, but let the scriptures. So who's t- who's speaking? It's Jesus talking. He's talking to the people who have come with swords and staves, and they're going to take him away. And he he never misses an opportunity to teach. It just it's He's not just the master teacher for the words that he says. He's a master teacher because the places that he does it, and the specific times that he does it, and the way that it's just, it's incredible. So he says, Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching. You did not seize me, but let the scriptures be fulfilled. They they have to be full. You see, if, if you wanted to say that someone is the Messiah, you didn't get to fulfill part of the scriptures about the Messiah. You didn't get to fulfill most of the scriptures about the Messiah, or one or two or three or four here or there. You had to fulfill all the scriptures about the Messiah. Everything had to be full and topped off relative to the prophecy about the Messiah. And Jesus does many things, either actively or passively in the Gospels to fulfill the Scriptures. And He sometimes will let someone do something to Him. That's the passive. Sometimes He will actively go out and perform something. But a lot of times He'll actually explain it to us. He gives us these little asides. It's almost, if you ever seen a movie and there's kind of a record scratch in the 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 lead actor will stop and he'll look directly at the camera and they'll say something and they're talking to the audience watching the movie and then they'll kind of get back into character and go on it's almost like jesus is doing that at some times he just says just so everybody understands i'm doing this so that you can recognize that the scriptures are going to be fulfilled right so that we all kind of oh yeah right, right thanks i appreciate that uh, my wife and i when we watch movies together um she always has a different perspective than i do on the characters So when there's a character that does something or says something, I'm like, I don't, what was that about? And she'll go, well, this, this, this. Like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I missed those 14 cues that uh, (laughs) led to that specific conclusion. It's like, great. So I I personally, when I'm reading through the scriptures, really appreciate these pause, look at the camera, this is what we're talking about here, and we kind of get back into character. Uh, So that, I didn't try to imply there that Jesus was ever out of character as the Son of God. Like, we're narrative perspective here. All right, okay, all right. there's this constant filtering and assessment process when I teach and it's aggravating sometimes alright so verse 15 and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand so somebody talk to me about a kingdom what is a kingdom yeah just in general what's a kingdom Are there any kingdoms on the earth today? Okay. Who's in charge of a kingdom? Or the queen, right? (laughs) Yeah, not in the Hallmark movies, right? Yeah. Oh, I so want to explore that. Don't. Okay. All right. (laughs) The second you said Hallmark, I saw a shadow moving and it was my wife's head shaking no vigorously like, don't, don't do it, Jim. All right. I'm going to. Going to pass So if you were wondering a while ago How we knew we could make the statement um, Jesus both Is the gospel and is Proclaiming the gospel it's because he says it Right here the kingdom Of God is at hand The kingdom is this rule Or this realm this royalty And how do you know if the kingdom Is present Or when the king shows up The kingdom is there Right It's really pretty straightforward. We try to make the kingdom of God this really complicated process. It's where the king is, there's the kingdom. The kingdom of God is at hand. This word is at hand is a perfect indicative active. It's completed work that's continuing till today because he was the king the day he was born. And he'll be a king forever. It's amazing. And it's active it, it was not a, This is not a passive act That somebody did to Jesus So I want you to, I want to We're going to dig into the passives and the actives here for just a second And there's a beautiful, beautiful truth um, I actually saw this one this morning And Jules and I Talked about it So look at the the time is fulfilled You see the perfect indicative passive right? So the passive means Something acted on The fulfilling So Jesus acts in time to fulfill all of the Old Testament scriptures, right? He is using time in his actions to fulfill. And you skip down, and the kingdom of God is at hand. He is actively present. So I'm, I want to... This is good. Don't miss this, Josh. God is sovereign. Would you agree? We're good on that one? Everybody good? God is sovereign. This is yes, this is no. This God is sovereign. Good. Sovereign is another term for a king. It is one who rules and reigns. Sovereign is the idea that, that you are in charge and that you can do what you will. And he works through time to fulfill. See, we interact with time and time acts upon us and we get uh, Dave, I'm going to look at you. Because everybody else will be like, why did you look at me when you said older? Um, <laughs> and you won't take offense to that. So that's awesome, right? Uh, so, so we get older, right? Time acts upon us and we get older. That's not how time works for God, though. Because God uses time to fulfill His purposes. It's totally different. You see that? You, you saw it, didn't you? Yeah, there you go. All right, that's like... One of the reasons I love looking at Mike when I make a point is it. Oh, yeah, great. Thank you for being transparent. It's got to be great being married to him because you just kind of know exactly what he's... <laughs> right? Yeah, there you go. So we've fulfilled prophecy. The kingdom of God is at hand, and he is actively at hand. This is not something that was done to him. This is something that he is actively doing. Does this make sense? Because a lot of the stuff that we go through in life is filtered through well, everything that is done to us in life, is filtered through the Father's sovereign hand. But uh, but I'm not in control of the circumstances many times. Right? Uh, in about, what do you say, Jules? 45 or 50 minutes, we'll be uh, in a vehicle headed to Cincinnati, Ohio. And I uh, would appreciate your prayers this week, because uh, we're going to Cincinnati to see the world's best expert on tracheomalacia which is this thing my son has that's had a chronic cough for the last six months now which is too long to cough and uh, and we're looking for answers or something that we can do to help him uh, but we also acknowledge that this has all been filtered through God's sovereign hand And that this is the path that he has for Caleb right now. And it's taken me about five and a half months to be able to say that out loud. And I don't know that I fully believe it yet. But we're just going to keep speaking truth and trust in the Lord because he is good. And he is not a passive God. He uses time for his purposes. Is that not beauty? And he actively works. One of the things that you'll love about Jesus in the gospel of Mark is that Jesus is not a lazy God. Jesus is not waiting on somebody to come and to bring him an offering before he acts. Jesus is not sitting around for days and days and days doing nothing. Jesus is not passively being acted upon. Jesus is out and working, and moving, and being the Messiah that was promised to his people. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing to watch. And Jesus' message here, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Let me translate that for you. Grab your physical copy of the Bible, those of you that brought it, and put the New Testament in your right hand, In the Old Testament, in your left hand. So, in my Bible, it looks like this. That blank page in between is about 400 years. And what Jesus is saying is that that time is up. The Messiah is here, and everything is about to change. And this is a beautiful message. This is spectacular. Sometimes, when we turn a page in the scripture, a year or two or a hundred or four hundred go by, and for us, it just looks like another page is turned. But this was generation after generation after generation after generation after generation. Not of God's abandonment, but of his faithfulness. Because he was working on getting everything ready for the Messiah to show up. And it is a beautiful arrival. And the words that the Messiah says when the Messiah shows up are repent and believe in the gospel. And we just talked about who the gospel was. The gospel is Jesus Christ. This good news of the message of God through the person and work of Jesus Christ. He says, repent, which is metaneo. This is a present imperative active. This is a command. This is Mark's first command from Jesus' lips in his gospel, are to repent. And if it sounds familiar, it's because it ought to be familiar, because it sounded like who? John, right? So not only is continuing to preach, but he's preaching the same message. He's pre- preaching a, a, a gospel of repentance and believe. And this is another present active imperative, is to have faith in. So turn from whatever it is you are following, follow me and believe in me. And Darla, what does he immediately do in the next verse? He starts calling people to follow him. There, there's literally no space in the Gospel of Mark between Jesus' command to repent and believe. And he starts calling people to follow him. <laughs> so when we see later on in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus preaching and the message isn't fully defined, this is his message. When we see him preaching and, and the message and the words are given, absolutely, those are the words that are given. But this is what he's preaching over and over and over and over. And I have come to believe that these words are not just for pagans, these words are for believers as well. Because repentance and faith in the gospel is not a one time event, this is an ongoing process in the life of a believer. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. Conversion is a one-time event. You are converted from death to life once and only once. But repentance of sin and turning toward Jesus and believing in the gospel and allowing that to change our lives ought to be an everyday thing for a believer. So my message to you this morning is Jesus' message. Repent of whatever it is you're chasing after other than Jesus Christ, and believe in this gospel. Because He is worthy. The King has arrived. The kingdom is at hand, and nothing will ever be the same. I love these two verses. Some of you have been annoyed that I've been doing this most of the lesson, because I just... He's here. Oh, this is a good message. Oh, this is a beautiful message. So, uh, next week, Miss Darley, you want to start at verse 16? Does that sound good? Oh, it's up to you. You you get to pick. 16 sound good? All right. We'll put in your blank 16 at the bottom of uh, your... Did you notice that you, you did not have a staple this week? Some of you thought you were going to get ripped off. You didn't get ripped off. We got. <laughs> I could talk three more hours about this, but... But we have to get to Cincinnati. So um, (laughs) given that, I would appreciate your prayers. Uh, You should have a weekly update on your table. Sheet with a blue streak across the top. So if you will take a couple of minutes. And if you're sitting at a table with just you and one other person, you're not allowed to do that during prayer time. So Matt and Jen, we'll have you guys like maybe move over here. That would be awesome. Fantastic. Uh, Pray through this list. If my mention of Caleb's illness surprised any of you this morning, uh, shame on us uh, for not paying attention because it's been on here for quite, quite, quite some time. Um, So this is how we know and engage and participate and care for and love each other every week. So don't skip past this. Don't blow past this. This is important. This is how we actually do many of the one another. So uh, keep us in prayer this week. But after you have prayed as your table... You are dismissed to go and see 2,000 years later the ramifications of the king showing up and the kingdom being here. I am excited. So thanks for coming to Sunday School today, guys. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.